Welcome to Female Inner Power, the podcast for women who don't want to choose between work success and life happiness. I'm your host, Nomi Melkyonatan, leadership coach and courage catalyst. Each week, I will share a refreshingly honest conversation about how to trust your intuition, lead from female power in male-dominated spaces, and inspire you to be a more confident force for good in the world. Are you ready? Welcome, welcome to another episode of Female Inner Power. Today's conversation is with Emma Voss. Emma currently leads the global commercial offshore wind team at Statcraft. And Statcraft is Europe's largest producer of renewable energy. She's also a board director at Statcraft UK Limited and a member of the EDI Steering Committee, and she acts as a mentor for junior women in her organization. She's a mother of two teenage girls, and she's passionate about being a good role model and helping to shape a workplace where everyone can feel fulfilled and fulfill their potential. Emma shares so many incredibly valuable things in this conversations. So just a, a few highlights, not to spoil it all, but she talks about how she diffused the situation with stakeholders without backing down from her position. And I think this is a very beautiful example of a, a feminine way of tackling conflict. And she talks about her strategy around people that are the most quiet in the room, the most quiet in the meeting room. She also shares how she very boldly got that board position. And this is not something that she's always walked around and been super bold, just asking for what she wanted. But she got to a point where she was fed up by seeing others, particularly of other genders, <laughs> getting positions and many times feeling that she was more talented. So she had a moment where she built up some courage. I wanted to listen to that bit and hopefully that will inspire you also to ask for something. She shares what it was like when she did it and what happened following. She also talks about the unconscious bias. We don't know, maybe it was conscious bias, but what happened when she was working part-time, how she called it out. And she talks about her potential strategy for the future around board positions playing a role in what might be her future and the possibility that board positions can bring to your life and to your career as an alternative to full-time employment. So this is just something that she's exploring for herself. I think there's so much richness in this conversation, loads and loads of nuggets. So... Before we dive in, just a quick request, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you get notified every time there is a new podcast episode coming out. And please do share the podcast, share this episode with another friend, with another colleague, someone that you think would love hearing it. The best way this podcast spreads is by you sharing it with others. So really appreciate you for passing it on and sharing it. And if you share, obviously, publicly on any social media, do tag me. And let's take a breath. And dive in. Emma, welcome to the Female Inner Power podcast. Hi, Numi. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited for our chat. 
Me too. Me too. I um so tempted just to jump in and ask you about how you got your first board position. But before we do that, maybe it's helpful for anyone listening that haven't had a pre-chat with you. If you could describe what does your home and work life look like right this moment? So I am a mum of two daughters, two teenage daughters, um, 15 and 12. So my home life is full of hormones and angst. <laughs> and so it's very nice to escape every day um, to work. So I work for Stackcraft, which probably a lot of people won't have heard of. They're a Norwegian state-owned renewable energy company. Um, they've been going for about 128 years and they were the first company to get the rights to the Norwegian um, hydropower, basically. And that's what they've built on. And now they're an international company across all forms of, of renewable energy. So I've worked for them now for 12 years. I was initially in the um, CFO area. Um, because I'm an accountant. I trained with PwC and was with Deloitte after that. And just recently, um, I made a big move. So moved out of CFO and moved into um, the offshore wind area. And I lead our global commercial and, and new markets division there. Cool. So you're leading a, a whole division. What does that mean? A whole division sounds very grand. So offshore <laughs> like wind. <laughs> yeah, I picked myself up early on. Um, no, so we were in offshore wind and then we pulled out and now we are going back into offshore wind. So we're sort of effectively building a, a new business um, within Statcraft, which is great. It's very exciting because it's all new. So currently I've got a team of about six people, but, you know, this is just the start. So yeah. it'll be it'll be big things planned. So, yeah, really exciting to be in almost like a startup business but with sort of good financial backing from from our owners so yeah very exciting so you were in the more traditional finance area and now you get to be entrepreneurial and I guess use some new skills yeah and also I you know I was always in group tax so I was sort of heading up the the international tax and responsible for various um, of our overseas territories and, and now it's a lot closer to the business so negotiating with partners on joint venture agreements and and looking at you know new market entry strategy for us um, within the offshore business so yeah big change but very interesting. Can I be totally politically incorrect and just say group tax? What's exciting about group tax and how did you end up in group tax? <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess it wasn't what you were dreaming of when you were a teenage girl. I wanted to group tax. <laughs> Definitely not. When I was a teenage girl, I used to love to watch Ali McBeal and all of those oh. shows. And so mm -hmm. what I wanted to be was a lawyer in, you know, a, a fancy office going to bars and, and living it up. Instead, I came back from traveling after uni, desperately needed a job. Someone said there was still a place going at PwC in Bristol where I went to uni. Um, I interviewed there and they said, well, if you go into audit, you get paid this. If you go into tax, you get paid a thousand pound more. So I was like, no brainer. I'll, I'll go into tax. And yeah, and the rest, as they say, is history. But actually tax I know tax for everyone sounds quite dull but it's actually quite interesting there's a lot of M&A work and structuring and financing and, and advisory so it's a little bit like law but but probably sounds a bit duller <laughs> but actually that's helpful to know I mean I, I think we don't really know what a job entails there are jobs that sound wildly exciting and and aren't so you know that bit of until you're in there um, you don't really know what it's like 
yeah definitely more interesting because obviously I started in in the big four accountancy firms definitely found it much more interesting when I moved in-house where you're effectively a sort of a, a business advisor on you know how can you do this in the most tax efficient way um and what works and stuff and advising on on a more strategic basis so that was a good move for me great well tell us about your board positions if I am correct you have two can you tell us what they are and also how you got them yeah so it's quite quite interesting stories so um I work for the UK sort of holding company of the Stackcraft group um and they have a board of directors and um I'm always sort of looking to see you know what's going on and the the FD at the time who sat on the board um was leaving Stackcraft and I thought to myself hang on I I I'm pretty sure that I could replace him so very cheekily didn't didn't go in person that would have been far too brave but I sent an email to um the the board chair at the time and said you know what with with this guy leaving you know I really feel that I am as qualified if not more qualified to do this role also you know Statcraft talk a lot about um, their quota of women on the 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 top company board but you don't have a single woman on (laughs) on the UK board Um, I think it's safe to say he was a little bit taken aback um, and quite defensive at first and I thought oh no what have I done I've been being too cheeky here um but just sort of left it in his hands and the next thing he's announcing that myself and another woman um were going to be put onto the the board and yeah I've been there ever since probably for about six years now and really really enjoy that a really interesting board because the Statcraft UK business covers lots of different business areas within within Statcraft so yeah that's been been an excellent experience for me So tell me about the second board position. Yeah, so I'm always I always like a plan. I'm always looking for for the next thing. So I was sort of thinking when I took on this new role and new challenge, I was thinking how much longer do I want to work for work full time in a in a you know full on full on job and I thought well not not forever but I can't imagine stopping work completely I, I don't think that would suit me either so then started to explore you know non-exec director roles and thought actually that could be quite a nice transition for me from working full time to to retiring so I started to attend um, women on board sessions um run by I think it's Fiona Hawthorne Um, and also working with Maria Blackley, who was helping us with um, some work that I was doing in Statcraft on our diversity and inclusion agenda. I was on the Steerco there. So started to sort of listen in in the background, wasn't really switching on my computer, just sort of sneaking around in the background, listening to, you know, what it what it takes. And and it was interesting. You know, it was really all about how do you build your own personal brand and how do you create a network that's that's valuable because they were saying you know nine out of ten ned roles basically are given to someone that someone knows you know it's a sort of a tap on the shoulder you know have you thought about doing this we're looking for that and I found I found that quite difficult to believe initially I kind of thought no you know you'd go through a proper process and and may the best person win 
Um, but anyway, kept kept listening, started to then get get more engaged. And and Maria was speaking to Maria one day, and she said, "Oh, um, you should really speak to um, someone that I know who has just been made the chair of a board of an energy charity." So. Um, set up to have a, a virtual coffee with her um, and as a result of that she said that they were doing a, a skills audit for their current trustees and what what her concern was was there wasn't really anyone with a financial background on the board and would that be something that was of interest and I said yeah you know certainly I'd be really interested so talk to her a bit it you know the process took a while there was a new CEO coming on board and then eventually they said, yes, we, we are looking for someone um, had a sort of, an, well, they said it wasn't an interview, but it felt like an interview um, with CEO and, and some other of the trustees. And yeah, I was offered um, a role as a trustee and subsequent to that, I'm taking over as the, the chair of the, the finance committee. Um, so that that's all been quite recent with effect from the 1st of May. We've had a sort of an onboarding day when I've been down to Gloucester and, and met the teams working there and got to know the other trustees. So it's a it's a really interesting um, role, very different to my current role. And, and it's difficult sometimes to to split the way you approach things between your sort of your day job and, and what is effectively a, a trustee. I, I just try and always bear in mind, Fiona said, you know, for a trustee or a NED role, it's, you know, hands off, but nose is in. So you take that approach that you're not actually doing it, but you're looking and, and checking. So I, I try and try and keep that in the back of my mind. I love that. That's also helpful for anyone thinking like, what does a board member even do? Like a trustee or a board member, depending on whether it's a charity or not. Like, so hands off, noses in. <laughs> yeah, which I think is it really helps me then. We were we were drafting the new finance committee document, you know, paper about what, what does it do? And a few times I had to say, well, no, we wouldn't do this, would we? We would just review it. And so keeping that is a simple thing to remember, but it really, really helps to set the tone because yeah. I think everyone's always is on the side of getting involved and getting their hands dirty and trying to help um so yeah sets the tone I think that's really helpful to know and and I'm curious and, and again I like to ask the the questions that I think um I would be thinking if I was listening which is does that pay I mean it's a charity so you might be doing it from the good of your heart but it also sounds like it takes substantial amounts of time do you get anything back other than the joy of learning and and giving back um, yeah, no, it's not paid. You you can have your expenses paid, um, but no, it's a fully unpaid. But, you know, if I think about it in a commercial sense, A, I'm giving something back at a time when energy prices are high and I work for a company who's benefiting from that, but other people in the community are not. So it feels good and it feels like I can add some value. But also for me personally, it's I see it as a building block to a paid NED role in the future and to build that sort of portfolio that we talked about when I look to retire so it's not yeah. all from the goodness of my heart <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean as a generalization and we, we tend as women to be less good at asking for the financial reward and uh, and those leg up and, and and those kind of things so I think it's so important to just clarify actually what can I expect and I have found it incredibly helpful always to go around and ask hey what do you charge or what does this thing cost or what does someone like that and to give more um 
more more courage. I'm curious also if you can talk a little bit to, and I know that this is not your expertise, but from where you're sitting and how you've made sense of what is the difference between being, so you're an employee board member at Statcraft, and then there are your trustee or the non-executive director of the NETS. Can you explain what is the difference? So I suppose when I'm in my work board, if we'll call it that, then I'm representing a business area. So I've been representing the CFO area. So, you know, it will be my role to, you know, not only as a director, but to advise to help the other directors understand the sort of the financial implications and reviewing the so you're you're more involved in the details. Whereas on the NED side the trustee side you're only ever seeing everything at a very high level so you get submitted the papers you know a week in advance you need to to review them and so you really need need a very sort of different eye because you don't know the details and you probably can't find all the details so it's a I'd say it's a lot more holistic and strategic approach than than when you're within an organization. Fascinating and what would you say to Someone listening who goes, oh, maybe I should try this board thing. Where do I even get started? How do I, um, how do I go about it? And it's interesting you said this thing that you heard about nine out of ten non-executive director positions are given through someone who knows someone. And <laughs> I remember um, a friend of mine who went to Women's Network. They had a man talking about how to get a board position, and. My friend said to him, so how did you get your first board position? And he was a bit shy and he was like, oh, well, a mate from the football team. (laughs) (laughs) And and it was like a deeply frustrating experience for her because it's like, well, I'm not going to be on that football team, am I? So she doesn't play football. She doesn't want to play football. So (laughs) So, yeah, what's your your advice? Yeah, it, it really is about networks. I asked that there was a woman in my organization who posted on LinkedIn that she'd been appointed as a, as a NED. And I said, oh, how how did you get that? That's so exciting. You know, and she said, oh, well, to be honest, you know, so-and-so had it and then they left and they gave it to so-and-so. And then when they left, they asked me to, you know, so it had sort of been passed down. Um, but I think attending things like women in boards to understand the process, because it really is a different, it's not, know in like interviewing for a job it's a very different thing but also I think if you find something that you enjoy so at the same time as as looking at this trustee role I was also looking at being a trustee sort of a governor school governor board because again it was something that I was passionate about with my girls in in education and so you know finding something that is interesting and that you can add value and and I suppose Another thing I learned from women on boards is, is, you know, finding out what's your unique selling point. You know, what can you bring to an organization that they don't already have? So you need to think about where, where your value add is. And it was all talking about, you know, what's your 30 second elevator pitch and how you sell yourself. So you can imagine how uncomfortable that is for any woman. They, they start going, uh, uh, uh. Um, but, you know, you have to have to know what, what you can bring and be able to sell that, I think. So for any UK listeners, of course, they can check out Women on Boards. For anyone not in the UK, I'm sure there are things in, in your country that does the same because um, it yeah, seems that think, it's bringing up in most countries now. it's a bit more now. global, but yeah, yeah, there does seem to be more organisations. Um, and also just 
attending those things and listening to women talk about their experiences and what holds them back you know you realize that you're not the only one thinking oh god you know surely I can't be on a board you know what 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 can little old me do you know that's always what you think you know it seems a bit boastful to think that I could you know lead it you know help to steer a company but actually there's loads of ways where you can add value and it's amazing already within the charity you know where they've leaned on me for for advice and so it's yeah it's good to feel valuable that takes me back to that cheeky email as you called it where you you said hey um i am just as good or even better potentially of that going um finance board member what gave you the courage at that moment to write that email because i you know as you go through your career i've seen people who are well what i would consider maybe not as good as me you know not working as hard but so much better at self promotion you know getting getting the breaks and and sitting there quietly doing a good job and hoping that someone notices just clearly isn't enough and i just thought you know what if you don't ask you don't get and what's the worst thing i've sent him an email he says no nothing happens no one really knows that i've done that apart from from him so you know give it a shot what's the worst that can happen and i think that's a really good mantra that you know push yourself out of your comfort zone give it a try if it doesn't work so what you know regroup try again but if you you haven't tried then you've missed an opportunity and and i think that was what it was i thought oh gosh if they find someone and just fill that spot i've missed i've missed what is a good good opportunity here I know you are mentoring several younger women and have for for a long time. And I'm curious whether you how you share with them when when you talk to them about, hey, you need to kind of in a way promote yourself because you don't sound like someone who likes to do the the boasting or talking yourself up. Have you found a way that works for you? Have you found any advice that that helps, you know, anyone younger with the how do I promote myself without do, doing the arrogant, icky, boastful pitch? Yeah, I think I think um I ask because everyone always finds that difficult when I talk to to people that I'm mentoring and say you know it's really important that you speak up in meetings there are no stupid questions you know you'll be surprised if you speak up that other people will say oh yeah we were wondering that as well you know so um but I think I I I say that you know when you go to a meeting quite often you'll see that there are people who are talking a lot in meetings versus people who quit sit quite quietly and really listen to what those people are saying because quite often they're not saying very much at all they're just talking and so when the quiet people speak up listen to them and and normally they will only speak up when they have something valuable to input and I was saying it's all about finding your own style you know if you're not naturally comfortable in being boastful and arrogant you're never going to be like that but you can find your own way to to have your voice heard and and try and be authentic to that you can't be something that you're not and you shouldn't need to be um but again you know in meetings i will always try to ask whoever's been quietest in the meeting you know oh what what do you think what's your reflection and quite often they normally have a really good reflection and better than maybe the other 15 minutes of of chat that chat that you've had but yeah it for me for women speaking up and being heard is is so important because they've always got very valuable contribution i find 
I like that bit of asking the person who's been the most quiet in the room and asking them what they've got to say. And I guess actually, even if I'm a quiet person in the meeting, I could ask my fellow colleague who was also quiet. And that could be my speaking up and saying, hey, I haven't heard from you. I'm curious, what are you thinking? So, you know, I guess there's different ways of, of speaking up. When I coach, I always think of, well, if we make it about ourselves, most of us will go, I, you know, this it, it triggers self-doubt and ego and fear and all kinds of things. But if we think about how could I be useful and what am I speaking up on behalf of what is of what perspective might not be represented if I don't speak up, that for me often shifts things in people when it doesn't become about I'm not promoting me, I am being useful in this meeting if I'm here. Another another good way that I find if I if I want to speak up now um, is you know to say about someone else oh that was a really excellent point you know so building on that so sort of casting almost putting the spotlight on them but actually then you're voicing your opinion on the back of of sort of praising them which which works quite well I think yeah which is a beautiful thing to just like the points that you actually agree with and highlighting them not think oh well then it's already been said but kind of coming back to that and sharing why you appreciate it and making sure that that voice gets amplified which is I can't remember who first wrote about this but I know within um, female leadership feminist literature um, I remember hearing that voice many times at that us women, we need to amplify each other's voices. And that's one of the ways that we can do that by going back. And I mean, you could have a man in the room who had said something interesting, and you might want to back up their point. So it doesn't just have to be the women. But that bit of amplifying the voice of someone who you believe in, and particularly other women. Yeah. And also, I I really encourage them to, to look at people within the organization that they can relate to so our head of legal for example is a very very smart guy super smart very naturally quiet and looks quite grumpy in most meetings arms folded but when he speaks everyone listens because he's always got something very valuable to add and I said you know that just goes to show you don't need to be the loudest person in the room for people to respect what you have to say um, and you can be yourself and still still have your voice heard uh, but I also really encourage people to to listen to the quieter ones <laughs> beautiful I love it um so you worked in tax you come from an accounting background it's maybe an area where I, I guess actually there are quite a lot of women but leadership perhaps is, is more male dominated have you ever found either deliberate or unconscious bias against you being a woman against you being a mother have you ever experienced any of that so I think when I moved so when I qualified um, with PwC I moved to their M&A private equity team in London um, which is very male dominated and, and you know quite quite a tough um environment to operate in and, and there there were probably two women partners um one of whom didn't have any children the other of whom had children who had a stay-at-home husband or nannies and, and never saw them so as a woman in my 20s who knew that she wanted a family and knew that I wanted to work and to have a family and to balance the two there was no good role models for that and I very quickly realized you know where where is where is my place in all this? Um, so I, I looked, <laughs> I looked to move out of that, but obviously thought I should stay in tax. Went to a recruitment 
company who then recruited me. <laughs> so I ended up being a recruitment consultant because I thought, oh, you know, maybe I'm just not suited to tax. Um, did that for a year, which I absolutely hated every minute of, um, but learned some really valuable um, skills um, uh, there and then then moved across to Deloitte. But when I had my first daughter, I'd negotiated to go back to work three days a week um at Deloitte um and you can imagine you know you get your daughter settled at nursery it's all very traumatic many tears many you know am I doing the right things discussions with my husband that you know I want the baby at home with us more than she's at nursery do you want to both do four days to which he said well there's no point in us both ruining our careers which I hope now is an outdated view, but really probably was was the case at the time. Um, And I got her all settled, went back to work, got called in to be told that um, there was a voluntary redundancy program for all part time workers. Um, (laughs) So you can imagine I was just I thought I was going to cry a lot. So I I left, I went home, I I raged, I cried, I, you know, what am I going to do? I've, you know, settled her into nursery, you know, got her a place. How am I ever going to find another job working three days a week? Um, Went back the next day, having controlled my emotions and said, you know, I find this is, this is really sort of um, picking on part-time workers and therefore by by definition, working mothers (laughs) to which the partner looked horrified and could obviously feel a a lawsuit coming um so very much backtracked and said oh it's only voluntary and I said yeah but what happens if you don't get enough take up you know who will you make redundant so anyway managed to to negotiate an exit there and and was really concerned about what next for me um so yeah that was that was pretty tough wow well done for you for for speaking up and hopefully this partner thought a little bit more carefully in the future about what unconsciously was happening like you said it's like yeah. maybe not wasn't deliberately targeting working moms but but that's how it ended up yeah 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 <laughs> did you find part-time work later on did you find other places where that could happen yeah so i i'm i found a contract role which i took um in an organization between my first and my second daughter so that was actually really really beneficial because i got some in-house experience so then when i was going back to work after my second daughter i took took the role with stackcraft which again was you know three day a week role probably a bit of a step down from what i'd been doing but you know i was really keen that I could manage both and be good at both so I didn't want to to, you know take on too much and yeah that that's been an amazing move for me and I've been able to grow and develop and you know back full-time now and really worked my way up the ranks so yeah you know everything happens for a reason and you know probably leaving the big four was the best thing that I ever did just not not in that way (laughs) Hmm. um I was thinking in your days as a recruitment consultant, I know you didn't enjoy it, but that year you must have seen so many different candidates and therefore had an idea of, I mean, maybe both men and women, what they do wrong and what helps people present themselves well. Do you have any any tips from, from that bit for anyone, whether they have to sell themselves for a new job or for a board position or just generally in life? It's an interesting one, actually, because I managed to place um, a woman who had was on paper really, really superb. 
but she really struggled with her sort of personal side and spent a lot of time with her and as it turned out I think she was underestimating the the value and the authority that HR have in a process so she would almost you know belittle them and wouldn't engage with them during the process and would just focus on you know whoever was the recruiting person and was sort of not understanding how much you know clout really the HR people have so it was a lot to her about you know how she shows the warm side of herself how she engages with everyone treats everyone with respect and then she she got a really good role in the end but that that to me was really interesting and is a really important value for me is that you treat everyone within the organization in the same way you speak to everyone everyone's got an important job to to play and it doesn't matter where you sit and where they sit in the organization and I've I've seen that a lot and I and I hate that people change the way they are depending on who they're talking to yes has anyone ever told you I mean a lot of women are told they're too nice or too I don't know um not tough enough or not whatever something enough because you might include people and have you ever had any of that kind of feedback never not tough enough because I'm not a pushover but I think I've always struggled I'm quite naturally quite fun loving and I initially in work I thought it was really important to you know behave really seriously and you know kind of hide that that side of myself and and try and portray a certain image but actually I found that being myself is an asset in itself and actually dealing with things with good grace and humor sometimes I have to be in a lot of very difficult negotiations with partners people get quite irate and cross and furious and you know to not meet that with the same and and sort of try and diffuse it is actually um <laughs> really useful and, and gets you a lot further beautiful do you have an anecdote for us or a story where um someone was irate and um uh, maybe it was uncomfortable and how you you handle that um on a very recent deal that we're we're working on and we're we're trying to sign a, a big sort of joint cooperation agreement and it's getting down to the wire on needing to get this signed and so you can imagine there's a few big points outstanding and we sent something across and thought that we were you know being helpful in trying and it was received in totally the wrong way um and next time we all met um one of the the partners was absolutely furious and said I cannot believe what you've done and the way in which you've done it <laughs> I, was, I was absolutely shocked I was like oh my goodness what have we done so rather than you know immediately I felt defensive and wanted to say what do you mean you know you've done all and I thought no 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 just sit let let him vent um and then separately offline I spoke to both of them on a call and and said gosh you know I'm so sorry I cannot believe that really wasn't into and actually over time after speaking to them I think they were just stressed and it had just come at a bad time and, and actually we were able to to work it around so I think you know trying to head things off and and deal with them quietly you know not necessarily in a big forum is is the way and and you know speak to people as people everyone has got things going on in their lives that sometimes aren't related to to what's in that room at the time mm. it's interesting like watching your 
body language and watching how you talk about it you sound like you were fully in your power when you were doing that but a lot of women will have been told don't apologize you know hold your own and and here it sounded like there was sort of an apology in it can you say a little bit more about your thinking behind it because it didn't sound it sounded strong and in your power when you when you shared it um because I wasn't backing down from our position that that was the key it was just the way that they had reacted and I was you know saying we in the way that we approached this we weren't trying to you know be underhand and we don't see this as a big win you know it's actually just trying to to find a solution so you know it wasn't backing down from the position. It was just trying to diffuse what had become in their minds a, a big issue, really. So there's ways of, of dealing with things. I, I do sometimes reflect that at home, I'm a very shouty person, which is my, <laughs> my worst fault. And yet in the office, I have never, ever shouted at anyone. How do, how do you sort of balance those two people? How can I manage to do that at work and, and not do that at home? I did speak to her. I did have a coach for a while and, and she said it was because at home you love the people and therefore you, you feel more um, than you do for work. But I wish I could, <laughs> could behave more like at home like I do at work. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it might also be the the safety of I can just really be myself and at work, That's maybe true, just yeah. really watching. But it sounds like you're very deliberate about how you go about it and how you're treating people. Yeah, and I try, I think over over time as well, this is something that I've learned, I've, you know, quite often you receive an email and it provokes a response in you and you immediately go to respond. And I try not to do that now. I try to not respond immediately take stock let my emotion you know calm down think about what was behind it and then take a more measured approach but that's just with experience really I've sent off plenty of <laughs> defensive emails in my time yeah but it, but it normally just makes the situation escalate that isn't how you how you solve it really makes you feel better at the time but <laughs> well, what has what have you learned over time of you know, in terms of what has helped you build your own confidence, own your power and show up? Has it been like any specific time, any specific advice, any anything specific that has really helped you, you know, be the confident you that you are now? I guess this is what I try to to talk to the people that I mentor. It it sort of comes with with time and experience, but I think in also having honest conversations with people you know a lot of the discussions I have with mentees around you know their self-doubt about oh well can I really do this am I really good enough you know so and so might be better and it's about everyone has those feelings you're not alone and I think when you're younger you don't realize that everyone is feeling the same you 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 go into the room in the meeting room you hear the person talk with confidence and think well they just must naturally be better than me because they're obviously not scared to speak up and so the more you share and are authentic with people I think you realize that everyone you know everyone has things going on in their home life everyone has things that that matter to them that that impact the way that they behave um so yeah I think that really really helps sharing well that bit of hearing it from others and going you're not alone and I know you're a big fan of other women supporting other women yeah absolutely and I think you know for me some of the proudest moments in my career are, are seeing 
other women achieve their full potential from a place where they were struggling and for me that's that's the most rewarding thing that I see these women are good they just don't know it initially and they have to find their voice and, and find their inner power if you like to be able to to be themselves do you think that's the secret sauce you know believing it yourself is that the secret sauce to being more successful to getting more authority yeah. in an organization it's funny actually I was I was doing up so I'm a, I'm a big peloton person that's where I get all my excess angry energy out of a morning and I was doing my peloton and um the um instructor said is your self-belief bigger than your doubts and I thought ah oh, you know that that's the point isn't it if if the voice is inside of you which one is because there's always going to be two voices the the naysayer I have it all the time but the person who thinks now hang on look around me I can definitely do this which one is talking louder and which one should you follow so so that's the place you're at now definitely yeah very why good ever, I think I'm at the point of why ever not give it a go <laughs> what's the worst that can happen beautiful beautiful um if anyone wants to get in touch with you I do have another question but before we get to that LinkedIn is that the best place or is there anywhere else you'd want them to connect yes yeah I'm on LinkedIn um can't think of any other other way really beautiful if you were giving advice to your younger self what three pieces of advice would you have wanted to give yourself so I, I think about this a lot, especially having daughters and wanting them to to achieve in, in life and, and to have good experiences um, and be good citizens, I think, is the, is the most important thing. And I think for me, don't always be a good girl. There's a there's a thing in school where, you know, be a good girl, do as you're told, don't talk too loudly, don't run in the corridors. And, and for me, that really resonated then in my early years when I was working I just sort of did as I was told was grateful for every and I didn't have a plan for what I wanted to achieve I just wanted to be a good worker and people say yep you're doing a, a great job um, and that's not really enough you need to you need to be making a plan and, and thinking about what you want to achieve you know even early on um, I think being being yourself and not being afraid to be yourself is is really important. Um, my husband is in um, in sales, and you know when they do these personality analyses, um, and they always say say that he couldn't possibly um, do the job that he does. He's just not suited to it, and it will create too much stress. You know, if you try and be something that you're not. Obviously, he's been doing it now for years, but I think that's true. I think if you can be yourself it's a it's a lot healthier place to be and, and a lot more sustainable than than trying to be someone that you're not um, I love the point about the the good girl piece I mean I do a lot of work around how do we liberate ourselves from the shadow of the good girl and and for me we just talked about one of the things which is as you know when you grow up and you get taught to be a good girl you get told to be compliant really Uh, which is, yeah. uh, you know, I will wait for permission. I will wait to see, you know, how am I supposed to speak in this room? When am I supposed to speak? Uh, what is the right way of doing that? And of course, in the process of being compliant, as very little leadership, there's a lot of followership and we can be a wonderful follower teammate, but there's very, very little um, independent thinking and therefore real leadership 
did you find anything specific that helped you let go of just being compliant and just dare to say something different voice and opinion was there like an early moment where it shifted for you I think it's I think it's probably since becoming a mother um you know it's you know it's one thing to to do it for yourself but then to actually think hang on you know what would you want for your daughters and you know so I think for me it's become an urgent need that <laughs> that probably sounds a bit bit crazy but I think that was the defining moment when it wasn't really about me again it was about someone else and creating something for someone else and I think also the other thing I would say is be curious ask questions people love to share people love to to, to tell you and to help you and to feel that they're helping you so never be afraid to ask someone you know oh wow you know you you said that or you did that how why you know and and people really want to help other people I find um, it's very rare that people will say you know what do you mean go away so for me you know be bold be curious be inquisitive ask the questions um, and that really helps you to grow Yeah, it, it reminds me of a, a story of a woman that I, I once met and everyone in the organization were told, hey, you know, like you've got to get a mentor, ask someone to be your mentor in the organization. She asked the CEO, she was the only one who asked the CEO to be the mentor. And he said, yes, and he and, and most people didn't because they were shy or they thought he was going to be asked by a million people. And that bit of like just daring to go like, now I'm going to ask the CEO, not because she didn't ask just because he was the CEO, because she wanted to learn from him. And I guess it's like if we we've got to do things for the right reason, not because it makes us makes us um, look good. And actually, I, I'd love to end also on this note of if nine out of 10 non-executive board positions or, or direct positions are given through networking and you said you've got a network. So many of us want to puke when we hear the word networking because it feels like, oh, now I have to go and boast about how great I am. I've got to go to all these places where everyone's trying to sell themselves and it just feels exhausting. Um, and I'm not part of a football team and I don't have time to play golf. I don't even know if I want to play golf, but I have kids and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and so that does not fit into my life. What am I supposed to do? What am I, do you have any tips? What do you think that works? So how can I network in a way that feels good and true to me and that isn't joining the yeah. local football team? Yeah, and and I I don't network as much as I should. You know, I should definitely be out there attending all of these, you know, women in renewable energy forums. And, and I'm and I'm bad at that because I just simply don't have the time. But I, I think it's not just about networking for networking's sake you know if you're curious and you're invest in your colleagues and the people around you and the people that you meet and you take time to have a conversation with them outside your immediate that's that's the network and that's where you learn things and you tell tell people about yourself be be open that you're looking for a ned role you know oh, do, you know have you got a ned role and then you know people will share or oh, so and so's got one so i think it doesn't have to be networking in the sense of you know going to these drinks and having to stand there in the corner not knowing anyone making polite conversation which like you say is boring and exhausting it's about utilizing what is already your network and is already there um, and making time to to get to know people and, and letting people know you and what you're interested in yeah and I wonder whether we need to start talking about a little goes a really long way because most of the women listening to this podcast either already have children, want children, or if they don't have children, they usually have something else that makes them very busy and their life's really full. So it's that bit of, I don't have hours and hours just to talk to people just because 
um, I'd like to, <laughs> and I'd love to, and that that just isn't time, there isn't the energy. So that bit of like one little conversation could be wonderful, but I'm not doing it to get something. I'm doing it because it would be interesting to just to learn something about that human. Yeah. And, you know, the more people you speak to, the more things you learn and, and the more you you know, and, and that's valuable in itself. So, yeah. Mm. Perfect. Is there any final thing you'd like to say before we end? No, I've really, really enjoyed the conversation. It's been nice sort of preparing for this and, and taking time to, to reflect, you know, on inner power and, and to listen to, to some podcasts. So really nice to have the opportunity to talk to you. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe so that you get notified every time there's a new episode. And I would so love it if you would write a quick review as that really helps others to find and trust the podcast. You can do that at lovethepodcast.com forward slash FIP. And remember, no matter what's going on around you, it only takes a single breath to start grounding back into your power. So let's take a breath. Feel your power and go spread the magic. <laughs>